0: Ah, uh, Craig, it's good to hear your voice. Yeah, likewise. It's been a while since we talked.
1: Yeah. <sighs> you want to, uh, let's, let's just get it out of the way. We've got to talk about this uh, Trump Tech, tech Summit. Because here's the thing.
0: Oh, man. Uh, well, you know, you know yeah, what? I knew, this is if one if of I those knew, things. If I knew you were going to lead off with this, I would have, you know, started my hard, holiday party. <laughs> <laughs> Here's
1: the thing. Even as I'm not really shying away from writing about politics on Daring Fireball, even if I decided that if I had chosen differently and said, you know what, I'm not, you know, whatever my feelings are, I'm going to make this a, a politics-free site, even even in this. There, here's, a, here's an intersection of, of the Trump administration, incoming Trump administration, and the stuff that I do write about that, uh, you know, it would be criminal not to to mention it. So what happened, I don't know, for anybody who had their head in the sand, Trump and his buddy Peter Thiel uh, put together a a summit of, uh, they invited, they only invited 10 people. Uh, I think there were like 14 people from Trump's immediate family and his (laughs) transition team in attendance and 10 leaders of of the U.S. tech industry uh, who were in attendance. I think it was uh, Tim Cook from Apple who had a, a primo seat, uh, two away from Trump. You know the seating. You know, I don't know if you'd looked at the
0: seating chart. It was clearly
1: very, very
0: uh, political. It was thought out. Yeah, right. it was thought out. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't just say, "Oh, like, hey, why don't you three kids sit over here?" Right? It's like <laughs> a, the, that that end of the table was like you know the the kids' table at you know Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> but yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that got me was that, that picture of of, uh, of Tim Cook, right? Just just <laughs> the look on his face. I mean, I, I try not to read into pictures too much. I mean, you, we've all done, you know, you know, you're watching a video or whatever, right. and you know, you pause, and it's like the person's making that face, which is like, what the heck, you know, because it you know doesn't fit into the the story that's going on, or that they're just making some funny face, right? But. I look at that picture of Tim Cook, and that is the expression I think I would have if I was at that meeting, right? Just like ashen, kind of, what the hell is going on here?
1: Somebody, do you, ever, do you watch the HBO show, the Larry David show, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? Because the show, for anybody who doesn't watch the show, usually ends. Uh, it's a very, it, the, the show is incredibly awkward. It's about, it's nothing about other than about creating awkward situations. And then a typical right. episode ends in a horribly awkward situation with a freeze frame. And then this funny music comes up.
0: Yeah. That's all that was missing is that funny music.
1: <laughs> uh,. There's another thing too where I'm always hesitant to uh especially coming out of a, a political election whether it's national or local there's obviously there's it it's and it's only gotten worse because I think I think because our politics have gotten so much more partisan and the fact that there are so many more photographs taken because digital cameras if you ever watch at these press conferences there it it really almost sounds like uh, uh, not a war zone but it almost where where the the pro photographers and the, the journalists have these slrs digital slrs and they just they just hold the the, the shutter down and they just keep right. they just keep shooting you know uh, 6 There's, to 8 frames per second every 2nd nonstop because the cards that, you know uh,
0: yeah that that's what i'm saying about you know it it's really easy these days to cherry pick an image right to to right. find the one where tim cook is making that face because you know you've shot a thousand right. frames, you know, and so I don't it, think so. that's the case though, right? And so no, in, in election no, 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 ads,
1: that's... in election ads, you are, it, both sides do it. It's this is here's one where it's not really a partisan thing, but they tend to find an unflattering photo of the opponent to to put in the ad if it's an attack ad. And a lot of times, I think it's very obvious that you can tell that it's just one of those like everybody knows it like when you're going through your family photos and you say like you know oh you know look at that sunset hair hey, you guys stand right there i'll take a couple photos and like the middle one you know somebody you know one of the subjects in your family just looks horrible
0: just absolutely yeah. like the, the classic it, mid-blink right right you know, it's like you, you you look like you've been smoking bongs all day because your right. eyes are you know halfway shut and it's like right you know, or just or like right you on. know
1: like the the person was you know they know that you're taking a couple of photos and they were trying to hold their eyes open for the first one and then it just feels like there's something in there so they make like a weird blink to like cl- clear their eyes hopefully before yeah. you shoot the next shutter but in fact it's mid shutter and they just look So i don't yeah. think that's tim cook in this scenario it looks to me no <laughs> like that was no that was like i said demeanor. that
0: that that's that that would you know that is how i would feel in that situation i don't you know it's like uh and it, it's it's you know Ben Thompson made a good thing in his a good point in his newsletter, and that that really struck me was that Trump is saying, you know oh we want to help you all well, there's a flip side to that, right What happens if he does not want to help you right he he's 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 already I mean, the what is it last week or maybe earlier this week that where he put out that tweet uh... About canceling a Lockheed order and Mm -hmm. their stock tanked. Yep.
1: And the the week before, he's
0: he's got some power now, and you don't want that power to affect your shareholder value. The week before,
1: he uh, was complaining about an Air Force One order for, or Air Force order for a, a, a new Air Force One. You know the right. current, the yeah. current Air Force One, uh, and and you know if you're like a this is one of those things that I knew, but I I find fascinating. I, I find Air Force One to be a fascinating thing as like a history geek and an, you know just someone who's a. <sighs> I was about to say I am. I'm a proud American, and I like certain aspects of it. And Air Force One's a cool thing. But one of the things I've always known is that Air Force One is not an airplane, a single airplane. It's actually right. I think there's two of them. Uh, yep but yep. it's Air Force 1 is the official designation of the one that's carrying the president. So, right like if the president of the United States is like sitting in the oval office, there is no Air Force 1. Right. There are two right. planes that could be Air Force 1, but it becomes Air Force 1 when the president of the United States is on the plane and then it gets that official designation. And that the two that they have right now were uh commissioned Under the Reagan administration, and I believe George H. W. Bush was the first to fly them. So these these planes have been in use for uh, the original George Bush, Bill Clinton, uh, George W. Bush, and uh, Barack Obama. And they will be the the ones that Trump gets the uh, the the new ones that the Air Force is looking to commission. Uh, would not be ready until either the very, very, very tail end of an eight year Trump administration, which let's face it, whenever You know, if we get eight years of Trump, we ain't gonna. You know, <laughs> there ain't gonna be an earth. Yeah, right. I don't want uh, to. Or his his successor. And anyway, Trump bitched about the cost of these planes, and uh, <laughs> and Boeing's stock tanked you know, not tanked and didn't recover, but he tweets and stocks move. It, it, it's a fact. I mean, like we it, in between the joking about it and, you know, the the partisanship of it, I mean, there's just no denial that when the president of the United States comes out and says he's, you know, like to cancel uh, the $5 billion order for Air Force One, yeah, that's going to have an effect on a company.
0: Yeah. That, that, that I, I read the other day that that on Bloomberg now, the Bloomberg terminals that that, 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 that the market uses to keep Track of news has Trump's tweets on it now. They just feed Trump's tweets into the Bloomberg terminals. Yeah, because it's important it, to know about them immediately. It, exactly. It moves the economy. And it's like, uh, what? <laughs> Jesus. So <laughs>
1: now, uh, I, let me read from this because I actually wrote to Ben. You know Ben's on the show all the time and he's a friend. Uh, and I told him I thought his take was excellent. It was, I filed it under the, uh, I, I wish I had uh, thought of it, but that exactly what you said, that that the hey, I'm here to help you folks do well. That's actually an actual quote from him. I'm here to help you folks do well, and we're going to be there for you. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's a that's... massive violation of economic- this is I'm reading from Ben's email. Uh, Government ought to be sett- <coughs> setting and enforcing the rules of the game, not actively helping one of the teams. It's a recipe for not just corporateocracy and the inevitable corruption that comes with it, parentheses, this is where I note that Trump's children attended the meeting, And parentheses, but the closing off of opportunity to the unknown companies that might challenge those large enough to be, quote, helped. This should be of particular concern to the startup ecosystem. And I can't say it any better than that. I think it's exactly right uh, that it, it's, that's, you know, and again, you can say you know there's there's positives and negatives to every system of of government, but you know part of the gist of uh, a, a democratic um, capitalist nation is that the role of government. I I I I think this is you know again this I don't think this is a, a partisan viewpoint. I think it's it's just a statement of fact that kids learn in elementary school. The the role of the government is to let, keep a fair level playing field. Yeah, it's all let, about fairness. That's,
0: Exactly. Right. It's all about fairness, and that's the discussion about diversity, too. It's about fairness. Right. And right? that, it's, you know, protecting needed, the
1: idea that the role of the president is to protect the 10 biggest corporations in tech is the opposite of it. Because the whole point is that it's healthy for, for example, you know, like in, uh, if this meeting had been held in 1981, AT&T would have been one of the, would have been the probably the company, right?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, and the it, fact it, that they... Yeah, and it goes against the competition, right? You know, you look at, at right. Apple Maps is getting better because it's competing against Google Maps. And Android is getting better because it's competing against the iPhone, right? That competition. And having that competition be fair is what makes it work, right? If somebody comes along and says, you know, well, hey, uh, Tim Cook, you know, he's gay. Hmm. Maybe Google's better. Right, mm-hmm. like whoa, 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 what? Did, you're not competing on a fair playing field at that point, point. Right. and I think everybody in tech would have a problem with that. Every, in fact, hopefully, everybody in the U.S. would have a problem with that. Yet, that's the the road that we're heading down right now.
1: Most, uh, most people in tech. This has been noted before this meeting that most of the industry um, was. <laughs> you know on the side of hillary clinton in this election uh, on for several reasons but uh, l- certainly largely on on uh, immigration uh, and on social issues like you know gay rights and and stuff mm. like that yeah um, uh one of the people though i i believe this C- ceo of oracle uh What's her name? She's actually in the same picture with with yeah, Cook. She yeah. looks very happy to be there. She's very enthusiastic in her remarks before the, the meeting, and uh, and then after the meeting, it was announced that she's joining uh, his transition team in, in some form. Right,
0: and she's going to. So there's s- obviously some people there and selling databases. But my question
1: uh, is: it, there's a, a large number of people and I think it has to be addressed who, um, who think that people like Tim Cook, uh, Satya Nadella, uh, from Microsoft, Larry Page from Google should not have attended this meeting. They should have declined the invitation and on the, basis that it was just dog and pony show and it was just a photo opportunity for trump and his children and his transition team to have these people parade in front of the media i mean there's a reason why the media was there and that the photographs were taken and it wasn't you know certainly could have been held privately if they wanted it to it was not it was held publicly uh certainly not for the benefit of uh those who were invited it was certainly you know only for the benefit of trump and his transition team i don't right. see how that's disputable right should they have declined the invitation uh, uh, on the basis of uh, of it being a form of protest against trump and what he you know what he campaigned on and what he's you know trying to do
0: i i think that they're playing a longer game here yes it is a pr opportunity in fact they, you know they used that pr opportunity to take a, a swipe at twitter right you now mm-hmm. just over the whole crooked hillary thing and yeah i don't think you want to it's it's not a matter of uh, agreeing with him at this point i think it's pretty safe oracle to say CEO,
1: oracle ceo is named safra Katz, by the way i want to get that out there so before the meeting safra Katz, the one who has joined his transition team uh while remaining at, at oracle ceo i should add um uh, her quote was, I plan to tell the president elect that we are with him and will help in any way we can. And my, my take on during fireball was that that sounds a lot like I'm ready to spit sign, spit shine his shoes. Um, because ready to help in any way we can is, and, and with him are pretty unequivocal, uh, statements of support, which I don't think are supported and compare and contrast that. And I pointed this out on during fireball, Uh, I think Tim Cook, and unsurprisingly so, was very, very precise in his uh, on-the-record remarks. So what they did is they started the meeting by going around the table and introduced themselves. And Tim Cook, all he said was, Tim Cook, very good to be here. Not very glad, very good to be here. And I look very forward to talking to the president-elect about the things that we can do to help you achieve Some things you want. Mm -hmm. End of statement. He's not raising, uh, you know. He's not using it. He's not raising a stink. It's it's all polite on the surface. I'm sure in the moment, as it went around the table, it it went on. But if you think about those words precisely, in particular, the difference between "we're with you" and "ready to help in any way we can" from Oracle versus. (laughs) <laughs> Help you achieve some things you want.
0: Like I said, they're playing a longer game here, right? And they've played they've played games with the federal government before, right? The last year right. with the you know the whole iPhone FBI thing, right? They they're you know they know that this is not just going to end, you know, with a well, and there of the was fingers. also
1: now that there are the it's inevitable now that they are the biggest, you know, at least for now, the biggest company by market cap. And you know a, a, there's only a handful of companies within spitting distance you know alphabet being being i think number two ExxonMobil looks like they might have a good eight years four years at least mm-hmm. uh but now that they're big now that they're big they're now that they're big though they they're obviously in the crosshairs of uh uh antitrust type stuff which we saw with the iBooks thing which i roll my eyes at because of the whole fact that the iBook store (laughs) was never the dominant seller they were yeah they uh, were at every point along the way way smaller than amazon but i would almost point that as that was amazon it was amazon who played the justice department and it was apple's like sort of disinterest and uninvolvement in the That game that let them be painted in that corner.
0: I think that's where they started realizing that Washington is a game, right? Right. That's that's right. Because it's
1: true. It's beyond you know that Amazon had the Justice Department's ear, and I'm not saying it's corrupt. I'm saying though it was a mistake.
0: We 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 look at that situation purely from technical a technical. Point of view, right? You know, right. We're, we're engineers, right? We 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 see who's making what money and what you know what kind of money they're charging and you know how the system works and and that's not how Washington works at all. It's it's right. more uh, emotions and politics and leverage and that kind of thing. So yeah, that's in fact that's probably what this this you know they went into this meeting with you know it's like okay. How am I gonna survive? What's going on here, right? Let's 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 you know. Number one, I mean, did did everybody who attended that meeting know who else was going to be there?
1: I believe so. Yes.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting, especially since it was such a small small
1: invitation list.
0: Yeah, I found it interesting (laughs) that you know of the invites, three of them were women: Jenny Romedy, the the CEO Oracle, and uh, Cheryl Sandberg.
1: All right. right. Zuckerberg did not attend. Sandberg uh, attended as the representative of Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is – I don't even think it was uh, just to seat a woman at the table. I think that my understanding – again, I don't follow Facebook anywhere near as closely as I do Apple or some other companies um, – but I think it's representative of her role there. I think I think it's very fair to say that she's she is to Zuck what Cook was to Steve Jobs. Yep, you know that more than a lot more than a typical COO, more of a partner. Um, I've said this many times on the show, many many times, but I I believe it as much now as I ever did that during especially I would say like from the iPhone on, especially like. But at some point, I believe, well, maybe even before that, you know, but at some point, Cook clearly had Jobs' trust. And I really do think that if you described Tim Cook's day-to-day activities at Apple to somebody who didn't know the company, and you said, what position do you think this person has that most people would say, well, that sounds like he's the CEO, that Steve Jobs was really more like a day-to-day head of product. And... Tim Cook ran the company. And I think Sheryl Sandberg has that same role where Zuckerberg can focus his his time entirely on product, and she handles yeah. all this other stuff that needs to be handled when you're as big and influential as as Facebook.
0: And the advantage for those people who are charged with the innovation and developing the products is that they get to think about things that, yeah. that are important to them. And you know, there's a lot of stuff that about running a company that that people like that don't want to do, right? So yeah. they're they're essential in that regard, right? That that right. they, you know, they you know, they're, they're the ones that keep the machine running. And right. you know, that's probably a more appropriate person to send to a meeting with Trump than, you know, somebody who's innovative and passionate and potentially going to say something that's damaging
1: to the company. Well, here's this so that i i wrote this and i don't like to trot out the what if steve jobs were still around thing too often because i think it can be so overused but i do oh god do. that would
0: have been beautiful well
1: <laughs> well and i had, a, not, I, had a, <laughs> yeah. I had an interesting discussion with on twitter about it and i you know i think everybody i was it was uh me and uh matt drance and uh dr wave from pixar um couple other people. And I think we were all in complete agreement that if Steve Jobs in the alternate universe where, where Steve Jobs, you know, was still healthy and was still at Apple, if he, if he were at that meeting, it would have been fascinating, at least as soon as the press left the room. Um, and then there were reports, I will add that there were reports that uh, that two of the attendees, Cook and Musk, got private meetings with Trump afterwards. So maybe the fireworks would have happened in that meeting if Steve Jobs had a private meeting with Trump. But there is absolutely no way. I don't, you know, damn the torpedoes. There is no way Steve Jobs was kowtowing to Trump. No. Nope. And I don't think Cook no. kowtowed either. But no, I think no, no, the no, difference. No. I think the difference, though, is that Cook could bite his tongue and Steve Jobs couldn't. I think.
0: That's what I'm saying about um, the, that's what I'm saying about the, you know, the passion that's involved with innovation, right? That's a much God. harder thing to hold right. it back. Tim Cook, you know, he's a guy who negotiates contracts and stuff. He knows when to shut up. But I right? think there's a
1: good chance and and uh Dr. Wave and Durant I think agreed that even in the alternate universe where Steve Jobs is still at Apple, cook was the one who would go to that meeting yeah. in the same way that Sheryl Sandberg it,
0: exactly went to the yeah no no doubt in my mind that that would happen because you know Steve Jobs is was self-aware enough to know that yes he had that streak and that streak can be used for good it can also be used for evil right and you know that's well, I, I think it's caution, caution
1: on the part of Apple. And then on the other hand, I also think it would have been a strategic way to not give Trump what he wanted, which is that – I mean, Tim Cook is well-known. I mean, oh, he's, you yeah. know, he's, yeah, yeah. he's the biggest – you know, a company he's very well known, but he is nowhere near as famous as Steve Jobs. Yeah, nowhere yeah,
0: near. yeah, the day before Kanye West was having a meeting with him, right? That's the that's the <laughs> right. level of person that he wants to be associated with, right? I, if
1: if you paid Gallup to, you know, go around the country and, and get a you know, ten thousand random people and ask them who Tim Cook is, you're I don't know what the awareness is. It's certainly higher than most people people and most CEOs but if you ask them who Steve Jobs is it's you know it's practically up at like Walt Disney levels.
0: Right. Yeah. They could describe what and he I, looks like and yeah yeah it's, it's just yeah. That's I think not sending
1: true. not sending Steve Jobs would have been a way to sort of lessen Apple's involvement in the dog and pony show of it. Whereas yeah, sending it, Tim it, Cook it, doesn't it, really Right. Yeah. Doesn't it doesn't really it, do anything in that regard.
0: It's a, it's a little bit of a way to give Trump the finger, too, right? You know, just the, you know, no, we're not sending our best person. We're sending our second best person. <laughs> <All right.
1: laughs> Bezos, Bezos was there. Uh, Ginny, you said Jimmy, Ginny Romney from IBM. Uh, Larry Page, it, Google had two people. Uh, well, Alphabet, uh, whatever. Uh, Larry Page and uh, what's his name? Sh- uh, Schmidt, Eric yeah. Schmidt. Yeah. And Microsoft had two. uh Satya Nadella and then Brad, whatever his name is, their uh, COO. It was weird that Microsoft got and, and Google got two and Apple only got one. And I wonder if that was by choice, if Apple, you know, had, you know, and Cook was like, no, we
0: don't need another one. Yeah. I, I, that's why I say it was interesting to know if, you know, how that list of people was chosen, right? It's, yeah. you know, did they sort of self choose or were they asked specifically like like did the companies
1: companies get an invitation and they got to choose who to go or were the invitations to people probably just to the companies i think
0: well it looked like there were a fixed number of seats around that table and that table kind of dictated uh how many people were going to be there so you know maybe that's maybe that's why jack dorsey wasn't there there just you know wasn't another seat you know you don't know I suspect not, though. It's yeah. The the vindictive angle. Kind of-
1: well, there's two things, though. There's a couple. There's a couple of angles on that. One, the angle in favor of Dorsey being there would be that Trump has made more use of Twitter, far more than he did Facebook. I mean, and it's. I mean, I don't even think it's close. I don't right. even know if he. You know, his campaign has a presence on on Facebook, but personally, he's all Twitter. Um,
0: his his Facebook feed is not on Bloomberg. His Twitter feed is on Bloomberg. Right. <laughs> That's, it. That's the right. bottom line.
1: <laughs> right. Um, but the other thing, too, is it does seem there's a case to be made. Uh, I think Gabe, Gabe Rivera made it first. He's, Gabe is the guy who runs the, the excellent tech meme news aggregator. Uh, that it seems as though the invitation list was sorted in order of market cap. Uh, that it was It's not, you know, in terms of who got invited or not, it's the you know, six or seven biggest by market cap tech companies. And by that measure, Twitter isn't even close because their stock is deeply depressed. I mean, they're, it's, they're, it's, they're not even in the ballpark if, if right. market cap. And in their remarks, in in Trump's own remarks at the meeting, he even mentioned that, uh, you know, his way of bragging about the meeting was that he said he didn't want to talk about the, he wasn't going to mention the hundreds of companies that called asking for a seat at this table uh, and that there were ones, and that Peter, meaning Peter Thiel, kept saying, "No, they're too small. They're too small." That that and small meaning market cap, I think.
0: You know, mm-hmm. so that was how All they right. measured.
1: All right. Um, so I don't by that measure, Twitter had no chance.
0: Yeah. That, so they weren't measuring by influence; they were measuring by. Yeah. Money, well,
1: but is that smart?
0: I don't know. I mean, hey, well, that you know, know, kind of goes back to to Ben Thompson's point, right? You know, All it's right. like the smaller companies are often the ones that they're doing more interesting stuff, and the stuff that affects the future yeah. and that yeah. drives the economy forward over. Well, over and the, the years. government
1: certainly shouldn't play a central role in determining that. Yeah, anyway, anyway,
0: the other story that
1: came out was that the Twitter did not get invited because of a a, a, a dispute from the summer that. Uh, Twitter sells these things called branded emoji, or they call branded emoji, and we can I, I can go on our side rant about the use of emoji in that context in a moment, but the gist of it is that a a sponsor can buy a hashtag, and then when people tweet that hashtag, they automatically get a a emoji or, or a little sticker, an illustration behind it. So, for example, right now, if you tweet the hashtag Rogue one you get a little Death Star image after the thing. Now, I wasn't aware of this because, uh, like anybody with any kind of kooth or taste, I use a third-party Twitter client uh, on everywhere. Oh, just about everywhere. And these things are only visible in Twitter's own Twitter apps and this stupid-ass, ugly Twitter website. Uh, So I wasn't aware of this. But apparently over the summer, the Trump campaign wanted to buy one for hashtag Crooked Hillary, and uh, who even knows what the icon would have been? I think they said they wanted it to be a, a bag of money flying away or something like that. I don't know. Uh, and Twitter uh, declined to accept the sponsorship. Apparently, Jack maybe Jack Dorsey himself put the the Knicks on it, and that the Trump campaign hasn't forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's it, though. I, I'm not uh, sure that it. I'm sure it didn't help because I think they are vindictive, uh, uh, petty people. But I don't really. I, I think that the market cap angle was a bigger one.
0: I think yeah. Now that you mention that, it's probably uh, Peter Thiel had more influence on who mm. was at that table than than
1: Trump yes. himself. It's it really sounded. It sounded like Trump's own remarks that it was really largely just you know there was a list of finalists. And Trump ran him by Teal, and Teal said, "Yes, yes, no, 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 yes, yes."
0: Or or vice versa, right? Maybe Teal had the list. Yeah, sounded more like it. Sounded more like it was
1: Teal who was given the yeses and noes. I mean, obviously, Uh, if Trump had said, "I want, I want Twitter,"
0: it would have happened. But as tech people, we have a different view on all of this. You know, it's like it's like this this Russian hacking thing, right? It's like you know that to me is totally you know you first hint of that was like oh yeah cuz anybody who's run a server has seen you know ip addresses from you know the eastern block pinging our servers you know looking for you know wp login pages php my admin, you know it's just it's just like they're just they're looking for ways into what you're doing and and you know that that, that Did you see the Affected did you a see presidential the, election is just... You know, it, 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 you know, again, back to the fairness argument. You know, how in the hell is that fair?
1: Did you see that uh, among all of the uh, just, like, series of unfortunate events that all just happened to break the wrong way for the Clinton campaign? Yeah. It was just one thing after another, and it just... Yeah. All broke the wrong way, um, but one of them was that when John Podesta got the phishing email and it was forwarded on to somebody, like, what's going on with this? And the person on the staff who you know evaluated it wanted to write back, this, this email is illegitimate, uh, John should change his passwords immediately, um, but instead wrote inadvertently, this email is legitimate, John should change his uh. passwords immediately, and so apparently he because it said that he used the link in the email to change his password. All right. And that this person who wrote made this mistake and wrote legitimate where they wanted to write illegitimate. Right. Uh, uh
0: yeah, it's is a, cu- a couple is, of letters on the keyboard that we've all right. made the mistake with. Right. Uh is, you know, heartbroken and as
1: apparently is apparently crushed. Anyway. Well,
0: and 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 you know the the flip side of it. Okay, yeah, they 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 hacked the Democrats. Well, you, do you think they hacked the Republicans too?
1: Uh, there's it's widely it's that's actually you know they haven't leaked, but it's it's actually I mean this isn't speculation, that's but that, it's that, actually
0: that, yeah that 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 to me is leverage and blackmail right. and you know, right. all of the other nasty shit. So you know this this is, you know that this, 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 this is an issue. It's clearly a nonpartisan issue. Right should be yes, it should be, and and if you try to say that this is oh, the Democrats are just you know sour grapes, it's like, no, oh, that's bullshit yeah. this, is, this affects everybody, right This is you know, again, it goes back to the fairness, you know the, 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 our government should be a level playing field. Yes, there are two teams, right, and they compete against each other, right but if the If the fucking playing field isn't level, we got a problem.
1: I don't want to be too histrionic about it, but uh, it does fundamentally come down to whether the parties see themselves as two opposing parties within one nation, or they view each other as their enemies. And... the Democrats clearly still see the Republicans as their opposition and the Republicans see the Democrats as their enemy. And, and that's, again, I don't mean to be histrionic. It sounds, if you, if you happen to be of conservative bent and you think that that's just me being a liberal, you can see it in the polls where a poll came out today of what's your net positive or negative on the following people. And they asked a survey of Republicans in the United States, uh, it was like Barack Obama was a negative 64, net negative. Hillary Clinton was a net negative 77. And Vladimir Putin was negative 10. Right. <laughs> so, so Vladimir Putin is is 54 points more popular among Republicans than Barack Obama. I mean, it's it's no joke or kidding or exaggeration that the Republican Party – Largely sees the Democrats as more of their enemy than they do the Russian, which is nuts, especially for people of our age, where who the remember, Republicans were yeah. the ones who were the
0: hardline realists oh, against I Russia. Was just gonna, I was just going to say, you know, Ronald Reagan is rolling over in his grave.
1: Well, as a kid and a teenager, when I first, you know, became politically aware and I was a news junkie, I, I viewed myself more as a Republican than a Democrat because I thought that the Republicans were the party of, uh, uh, on, uh, you know, to put it, it succinctly, the party of the cold hard truth, and that the Democrats were more of a saw what they wished for party, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that the the main issue at the time wasn't something like climate change uh uh or a few other things where it comes up but climate change is a perfect example today where one party is looking at facts and the other party is just believing what they want to be true um but at the time the preeminent issue was the cold war because it was you know hey if this turns out poorly every, we're, we're all dead
0: we're screwed yeah this
1: is a game with no winners yeah right. uh and it seemed to me like the Republicans were the i i I think history has shown it to be true that the Republicans were the ones who looked at it with a, you know just cold, a, a, cold hard facts yeah right uh so it's ridiculous to me that they've now become the party that's like ah Russia, good people well maybe they are good people but <laughs> Russian government leadership ah good people
0: yeah it's anyway. you know it, it's it's kind of like you know that the, the, the they have to you know the, the, it's a win at all costs kind of situation for them right and and yes. the, the, the 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 problem i have is that those costs are going up in ways that hurt our society and hurt our government yeah. i mean well I, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at i'm at odds with many people in my family now because of this yes. i'm sure that's true uh, for a lot of people and I, it sucks but yeah. you know they they had to vote for their Republican person because you know they, and, and and the fact that that you know the the people that are celebrating a, a the the Trump win include the the Ku Klux Klan and <laughs> Evangelical Christians in the same group. I mean, what right. is wrong there? Right.
1: Well, you get you start to get the feeling that maybe the evangelical Christian base, maybe, maybe Christianity isn't their. Mean, well, you just start to think maybe it's not their top priority.
0: Our faith that people are inherently good, right. we're screwed. Well, let me use that as a segue to talk about
1: Harry's Razors. This is now. Look, this show's coming out tonight december 16th this is a gift that you can get you've got time if you're listening to this show uh, tonight on the 16th you can even still get ground shipping after tonight you're gonna have to pay for air shipping but you can get this as a gift for the holidays still you gotta act i hope you're listening to this show while it's hot off the press you know pressed onto the 45 record or whatever you're using to listen to the show uh but if you act quick you can do it you can uh go to harrys.com and get an order in. Uh, now why why would this make a good gift? Well, one of the reasons is it's a great product. I've said this before. They make nice handles, really really great nice blades. They own their own razor blade factory. This is how they get the the prices down. This is how they keep the quality up. They're not just like buying white label razor blades and putting Harry's name on them. They own a razor blade factory over in Germany that they make their own. There's no middlemen, no distributors, no no markup on the way to 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 retail. It's just they make them. They package them. They sell them to you. Uh, So it's a great product, and they've got good uh, shaving cream and and stuff like that. They've got – what do they have here? A limited edition set. If you haven't heard of them before, uh, you can get this uh, set. It comes with a razor handle of your choice, shaving cream, replacement blades, and a nice little travel cover. Uh, They have something called the Winston set that includes an engravable chrome handle if you want to add a personalized touch. The other reason these things make a nice gift is that the packaging is so nice. So you can wrap this up, and when people open it, it's not like you're, selling, you're giving them one of these blister pack razor blades that you'd get at a drugstore where it looks, you know. This looks like you've bought them, like, a nice thing. Like, you, even if it, you don't even know what's inside, it's just like this cool box. It's it's not like a blister pack where you've got to go get a razor blade just to open the damn thing up. It's a nice box with a nice lid. Uh, I've I've said before it's the type of packaging that's so good that I feel bad throwing it out and I have to defeat my sort of natural inclination to be a pack rat and keep it like why in the world would I keep an empty box that had razor blades in it it's stupid but it's so nice I've, it always pains me as I toss it into the the bathroom trash can it's a great great product um so if you're listening tonight you can still get ground shipping otherwise uh you know you got to you got to pay for air shipping if you want to get this as a gift but you can go to harrys.com and you can use the code TALKSHOW, just plain TALKSHOW, know the, and you'll get five bucks off your at, if you use that code at checkout. TALKSHOW, know the, at harrys.com. Go there. Check it out. If you've got anybody on your list who needs a last-minute gift, you can hurry up and, and get that in. My thanks to them. Great product. All right. I'm done talking about politics. Let's have fun.
0: Yeah. This is, thank you. This
1: Trump, stuff is, Trump stuff is no fun.
0: Well, it, it's no fun, but we've got to deal with it. You got
1: to deal with it. You can't put your head in the sand, and that's the reason why I think that's the reason I think I just to put a bow on this topic. That's the reason why I think it was right that Tim Cook and Jeff Bezos and Satya Nadella and whoever else went to the meeting is you can't put your head in the sand. You can't just put your fingers in your ears and go la la la. You know I don't want this guy to be the president. Uh, You got to look at it. You got to stare it right in the eyes. You know, pretending that it didn't happen.
0: Exactly. Stay angry and don't let it get normalized. Because this, right. this is not normal, no matter you know right. anybody who says oh you know it'll it'll all play out well, it's like no, right. this is not going to play out well. I just hope, no, I hope we're around in four years to, to have another election, because yeah. you know you, you you see this shit happening with you know China right now. It's like oh right. oh, oh Jesus, this is not where we want to go. It's like yeah, you know, so for, for my parents' oof. generation, that happened in Cuba, right? And and and. People freaked out. Well, hey, guess what? It's this generation's chance to have that little freak-out moment. But yeah, let's not talk about the politics anymore. I've
1: got one thing that's even less fun. It's even less fun than Trump, and I have to talk about it. No fun at all. It's Super Mario Run
0: came out. <laughs> and my God, it's got an in-app purchase. Oh, my God. So it's Super lit. Mario Run
1: came out yesterday. Uh Here's how it works. I think it was a mystery. I don't think it was announced how exactly. It, it, I think the only thing we knew was that it was going to be a free download with a couple of levels to play for free, and then you'd have to buy it. So the way it works is free download. You get three levels to play. After that, you need to buy it, and it's ten bucks. But the way that they're doing the in-app purchase is such that the ten bucks is per device. I think. I don't think. I think if I had yes. an iPad, I think I'd still have to.
0: I've I've heard a complaint from uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Sean Heber. It's said that he had to buy it for himself and his three kids he's got right. three he's got three boys that want to play it and you know that's a 40 game for him
1: now from nintendo's perspective that's the way it's always worked right if you if you have a, a 3ds and your kids have a 3ds and you want to play this game you could you know at the same time you could you'd all have to buy your own version of it now if, when it was cartridges you could like Share the cartridge, but then only one of you could play it at a time. And there's no way to do that with an in app purchase. You can't have an in app purchase that says your whole family can use this app, but only one of you can use it at a time. It just doesn't work that way. So, from Nintendo's perspective, this isn't that unusual. And they don't sell $10 games for the 3DS. This would be like a 40 or $50 game for the 3DS. But on the other hand, before anybody even says it and writes to me, don't write to me. I understand that even with the purchase, this entire game is probably less expansive than a typical 3DS game. That it's smaller, whatever. I can't get... 10 bucks is so little, honestly. I, I do get it. And that the family sharing. We use it. we we got a lot of stuff on the family sharing here. Um, in this particular case, I, I can't blame it i I want Nintendo to make money on this I do
0: yeah I'd, i I'd, I'd love to see a lot of game developers make money, but yeah, it's, no it's, argument it's,
1: it's, from me that ten dollars is $10. a per device is a premium price for an iPhone game, but honestly, I've played this game for a day now. it's a premium game, it is a premium game, so
0: yeah and I, I, and and the, the the problem right now though is that there are a lot of people who have been indoctrinated into the you know well, I can earn coins to to get what I want right it shouldn't cost me anything and they're the ones that are complaining about you know this this game right it's the, i mean we'd all love it as as developers we would all love it if people just paid for the thing right that's what we all want just just spend your money if you like it buy it and and, and instead we're jumping through all these hoops you know doing you know things that make people look like they're not so, spending money because we call them coins instead of dollars. Right. And, you know, it's it's all, you know, the, the deception. And, and right. so, you know, kudos to, to Nintendo for just saying, hey, it's going to cost you $10. Deal with it.
1: Yeah. And the three levels that they let you play before you are asked for a, a, a nickel, I think are indicative of the the gameplay. And they even show you On a there's like a when you complete a level, they show you that there's six worlds of four levels each, and so you get through the first three levels of the first world before you have to pay to continue. You both have a you both have a very fair idea of what the game is like to play, and you also have a very fair idea of how much is unlocked. Right when you pay the ten bucks, you to me it's a very fair deal, and I think. You know, again, you know, and if you've got, you know, somebody's out there, surely has three or four kids, you know, and it's like, hey, it's, you know, you're telling me it's a $60 purchase for my kids and my wife and I to play this. I understand that, you know, that that's, it's pretty, it's a lot of money for iPhone game, but, you know, I, I'd much rather have Nintendo doing this and having it as a fair upfront price than to see Nintendo succumb to the, you know, keep putting two dollars in to buy a bag of coins to keep going, you know, or to get past this log jam. You know, this level is for all intent and uh, intents and purposes unbeatable unless you've got a thousand coins and you can only really have a thousand coins if you pay us three bucks. Right. Or go watch a bunch of ads or whatever the hell these other games make you do. It's you know, it's not like that. And I think it's you know and to me as somebody i, I you know I'm not a diehard gamer I'm mean, probably the opposite I actually probably spend a lot less time playing video games than the average person my age uh, and probably for someone who's interested in technology and computers way I'm probably way at the bottom in terms of how much time I spend playing games uh, I I get the impression you're probably the same as me.
0: I went through my childhood before Nintendo became a thing right i i, yeah. I don't I don't get Mario or any of the you know the that whole 80s gaming thing because, you know, in the 80s, I was, you know, 20 years old and had begun an adult life. So, yeah, it... uh,
1: Do you have an Atari? Or were you too too old Yeah, no,
0: a friend of mine had an Atari, but, you know, it was just the Pong and all the other kind of crappy games. And, and, you know, at the same time that 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 was happening, I was also discovering computers. So it's like I could write my own computer games. Why the hell am I sitting in front of the TV... Fiddling with this little dial, it's like, oh man, right. I got I got a basic interpreter. This is way right. better,
1: <laughs> right? I understand the feeling exactly. Uh, yeah, I could be making something, um,
0: and that's the. And I'm, I'm glad it happened that way. It made you know made me who I am. Yeah, I have an on off.
1: I've never been a huge Nintendo fan. I never like. I didn't like the NES. Uh, and then in my college years, there was the. Uh, not the N64. Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo was the one of the early 90s, early and mid-90s. I had a Sega Genesis, which was, uh, I thought, the superior system, uh, at least for the type of games I wanted to play, like John Madden football and the the, the NHL hockey game. Uh, and uh, Sega's version of Mario was uh, Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Mm, right, yeah. Which was
1: the t- 2D scroller. Uh, I did have an N64, which I liked a lot. Um, Later on, it's probably the last console I really played a lot. Although I guess I had an original Xbox too, and I played that sometimes. How old were you with Jonas
0: as a kid? (laughs) Well, when what? How old were you when you were playing these games?
1: Uh, Sega Genesis was my college years, so that Ah, was like ninety-one to ninety-six, right? Roughly, Uh, that was a thirty-two-bit system, or was it sixteen? Yeah, so
0: so you're sitting in a dorm room. It's a it's a thing to party with, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. a dorm.
1: It was a, a big, big dorm room thing, uh, and it's partly because the 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 EA sports games. I don't even know that they had them for Nintendo or Super Nintendo, and if they did, they were inferior. Like the the Sega Genesis was better at the sports games, um, and that was what we all played each other. That was what we played nonstop. N sixty four was good though. There was this GoldenEye game anybody who had it knows exactly what i'm talking about and anybody it was a a 3d shooter and you'd play you could play against your roommate and it it was split screen so you each got like you'd split the screen and because it was a four to three screen it was i forget if it was horizontal and you got like a real wide angle thing or if it was side to side i think it was i actually forget True story, true story. I had a roommate my first year after college. I had a roommate, uh, Don, and we played. We had an N64, and that was when the PlayStation first came out, the original PlayStation. And what we used to do was rent video games. You could go to. You had to get a disc, so you'd go to Blockbuster and you could rent a game for four days for I don't know, five bucks, four bucks, way cheaper than buying sixty dollars games. Right? We didn't have the money to buy a bunch of sixty dollars games, so the renting thing was awesome. So we had an N sixty four.
0: You basically it's, it's you binge on the game and you know you you've, you've you're getting the 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 content for right. A, a so we go to Block. We'd go to
1: Blockbuster and you'd look, and like the PlayStation section had all of these awesome games, like f- at the time, realistic car racing games and shooters, and all of these awesome games. And then the Nintendo section had like seven titles, and most of them f- were like for little kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but then GoldenEye came out, and GoldenEye fixed everything. Effect- effectively, our N64 turned into a dedicated GoldenEye. Box. it was a good one player game it had the a, a very long campaign where you played james bond going through the GoldenEye movie scenario a really good first per, you know one player mode and then the two player thing was just unbelievably fun unbelievably fun and eventually i got just ever. it was one of the only games i ever got pretty good at and i i got ever so slightly better than don was like this is after maybe a whole year of playing and I was always a fraction of a section, a second quicker than him, and it got to the point where he couldn't beat. You know, we used to be like fifty fifty, and then it was. I somehow gained like I leveled up a little bit, and he couldn't beat me. And one time, he threw this controller out the window, and we lived on the third floor. <laughs> <laughs> time to buy a new and controller. It was, <laughs> but it was the most satisfying victory ever, right? Yeah. Like, what could be more satisfying well, it- than making your friend? Throw his controller out the window.
0: Yeah, but then at that point you're pretty much done with the game, right? Because the guy knows yeah. he can never win again, and you know it's like, okay, yeah. uh, why, why play? <laughs> but, yeah.
1: But anyway, then my other experience with Nintendo is we had the Wii, the one, the first, you know, not the Wii. We oh, had the yeah, Wii U too. Yeah. But we never yeah,
0: played. The Wii was great. That the one where yeah. you'd, you'd had the the, it, the basically the physical games were awesome, right? Right, it's just it got people moving around. I thought that was
1: right, and that that was how fun. Jonas learned to play video games. We had that when he was, like, uh, I don't know, three or four or something like that. And
0: that's another we, one. That's another one where you can throw the controller, but not necessarily right. because you meant to.
1: <laughs> right, we have these. We have this. we Jonas and I laugh about it because Jonas is very much into video games now, and he's almost thirteen. Um is that when he, we first started playing, there's a great, great series of games, uh, these Lego games, where you play as a Lego character from like movies and you go through and, um, you know, like the one that we played that was the, the first one was the Lego Star Wars. And you, it's this game and it had all six of the original Star Wars movies, meaning the first three from, you know, the 80s, then the prequels. Uh, and e- each one was broken up into six like adventures, so you had thirty six adventures to go through from all of the Star Wars movies, and you just play as two characters at the same time on screen, and you go through and smash things up and take the bricks and rebuild them into other things, and it was very, very, just very fun, very, very kid friendly, but very fun for me as an adult to play too. But the funny thing was that when we first started playing it, I don't know if Jonas was three or four, probably around four, was that, um, and it's sort of like an iso, what's a isomorphic. Pre- perspective
0: isometric right yeah isometric
1: Isometric. perspective the game and jonas just had tremendous trouble like if you had to walk on it you had to get your character (sighs) to walk on a cat catwalk diagonally right Right. uh not even like a tightrope but you know but like a a three character wide catwalk that was at a 45 degree angle he would just keep falling off and it's one of these games where you yeah, you don't, he
0: probably he probably didn't have the spatial capabilities in his brain yet, right? Right, That's just the not right. being able to say to project that into right. his his mind, yeah, and and to huh.
1: transfer it into a, a movement with his thumb, right, you know? right. And it's one of these games where one of part of the part of what made it so much fun to play with a little kid is that you you never you don't run out of lives and have to start the level over. Every time you die, you just lose some of the coins you've picked up, and it just shoots you back to you know. Fifteen, you know, five feet away from where you died. You just keep respawning, and you all you lose are these coins. And when you finish the level with the most coins, it's an accomplishment. So you know you can, you know, finishing without dying would, is gives you more coins. So there's an advantage to not dying, but you never actually like have to start the level over. But there would be certain things where he just spatially couldn't navigate. And it, <laughs> I think I'm a pretty patient father, but eventually it's like just give me the give me the controller. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dad's gonna help you out here,
1: <laughs> right? And it wasn't like getting him past like a boss, you know, villain. It was just getting him through like a very narrow, hard to navigate little thing. Uh, and it's just very, it's very comical now when I try to play video games with him because, because well, he probably, it's he actually probably, the opposite. He, yeah, right. I was
0: gonna say he kicks, he's kicking your ass now, right? Because he's, he's young, he's got good oh. eyesight, good reflect or reflexes. Yeah, he's. <laughs>
1: What was it? It was a Lego game, like Lego Batman or something like that. And I was like, I'll play that with you. And I started playing, and it was clear that I was holding him back.
0: <laughs> right. It was, and he's, and and he's not going to say anything. You know, he loves you and everything. He's right. not going like, to hurt right. your feelings. But he's like, Dad, just, just leave. Well,
1: I was like, remember when you'd be the one holding me back? And he'd be – he laughed. He had a good sense of humor yeah, about it. Yeah, But it was very clear that I was the one holding him back. Uh Anyway, I wish Nintendo the best. I think they're going to do very well with it. complaints about the price aside. It does seem like they're being very aggressive on the trying to keep the... whatever countermeasures they've taken against piracy. It seems like they've done quite a bit. One of them being and here's the one that's going to affect honest people the most is the game does not play if you don't have a network connection. I tested it, it's very true. Like if you turn on airplane mode and try to start the game, it says
0: oops. You know, try
1: to move to try to move somewhere where you have a better network connection.
0: Oh, that's not going to that's not going to play out well. I mean, it, as soon as somebody, you know, it's like on launch day you're not going to notice that, but over time you know, you're going to be wanting to yeah. play it in a in the subway, on an airplane. An airplane, and, right. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's funny, people have even pointed out that at the announcement, M- Miyamoto even said because it's totally playable one handed that it's great to play in a subway. Now, maybe, you know, maybe he's thinking of, I don't know, I've never been to Tokyo, but maybe Tokyo, I wouldn't be surprised if it is one of those cities where oh, the y- subways good yeah. bar- ubiquitous cell service.
0: Yeah, I uh, noticed the last time up, uh, last trip to WWDC that, that, uh, the, their cell service in BART now, um, you know, from the airport to, to downtown, you, you pretty much have a network connection all the time.
1: All right. But when this, when this news came out that the game doesn't work without a network connection, a bunch of readers wrote to me and just said, well, my kid, you know, has an iPod Touch or, yeah. you know, the, 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 the iPod Touch that an awful lot of kids have is a two or three year old iPhone that doesn't have a SIM card. You know, just a hand me down. Here's my, you know, this was Dad's iPhone from two years ago. Just take the self, just take the SIM card out, and you've got a, you know, hand me down iPod Touch. Uh, yeah, and and those you know, devices.
0: Uh, yeah, and, and, and car trips. That's another. You know, you yep. know that's it. That's exactly like, it. Do, do you want it? And, and then okay, okay. Well, you have to set up a Wi-Fi hotspot just so the kids can play Nintendo. Ugh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like Ugh. no thanks. Right. No, okay, uh, let's let's drain mom and dad's batteries so that we can play Nintendo.
1: And I saw something about the fact that the game has a lot; of doesn't seem to run on a lot of jailbreaks. Uh, it seems, which only makes me think that Nintendo is specifically looking for signs of common jailbreaks and is refusing to run.
0: Uh, yeah, how are they going to do? that? that's actually a hard thing to do in a sandbox. You, you know, they, yeah. they, Apple might have looked. The other way, mm, I wonder. Some of these things, I don't know. I don't, don't want to. don't, you know, not knowing how it works or anything. But my that would be my first reaction. It's like, hmm. Maybe there's some here's my other question. My other there. question is, it's it is iOS exclusive right now.
1: It is apparently coming to Android eventually. How long do you think until it comes out on Android? It,
0: it, it, Google will probably want to use it like Apple did as a way to to promote a new software yeah. release or something like that. Um I could see it happening at the next IO or something, you know. Just like it, yeah, it, it, it played well at the iPhone seven launch, it'll play well at some Google launch. So I think yeah. that that would be your answer.
1: So maybe like six months, I don't know. But is it old yeah. news in six months? I
0: don't know. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I mean it's the the half life for games these days is pretty uh pretty insane it's it's like you know pokemon go right middle of summer right. it was just everywhere in fact you know yeah. we had a in fact down at the beach where you know i go every day it's like was there was one tree that everybody be standing under because it had shade and pokemon characters <laughs> and it got to be <laughs> kind of funny it's like everybody walked by oh yeah that's the pokemon spot you know and and you you know you'd talk to people there oh yeah i'm waiting for the you know the, you know the gym or whatever it is and oh my god
1: i saw a thing on i saw a thing on twitter I wish I had had it. I, it, but it was the gist of it. Was somebody was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they had to put this sign up." Somebody was in like a museum,
0: oh yeah, uh, or
1: something, <laughs> and it was like a part where they were showing like uh, something really grave and serious. It was like relics from uh, I don't know, like a, a, a concentration camp or something like that. You know, something really, really grave and serious. You know, like here's a bunch of artifacts from some kind of uh, internment camp, or I don't think it was the Holocaust, but something like that, though, where like a bunch of people were were you know political you know prisoners and and people died and it went on a long time and and there was a sign up that said please, please no pokemon go right like because you can only imagine like a sign like that doesn't go up unless people were doing it
0: yeah you know like somehow yeah. they were like... Yeah, they're, they're, they're reacting to something yeah right well I, I you know i thought that you know in it in the middle of summer i was my one of the thoughts i had was like what happens when it gets cold right all these people going out hunting yeah. for pokemon what what the hell are they going to do when it's you know raining or snowing or you know middle of a hurricane or whatever and yeah. it's like hmm you know so the, they launched that in a really good time and you know maybe they had the expectation that it's you know it's going to have six great months and then who knows I think we're in the who knows right now. You know, it's like you know maybe, you know, Mario on iOS is going to be the same way. I suspect I not. Know. It's it, there's yeah. a lot to be said for that brand. Um, same is true with Pokemon. There, you know, it's a huge brand. A lot of uh, nostalgia in that brand. I mean, that's just, you know the fact that you were you know talking about you know all of your. Past consoles and the games you played. I mean, that's it's it's nostalgia is a powerful thing, and you know that's and it it's it's interesting too that 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 Mario is 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 nostalgia that's getting passed on, right? There's there's a there's a a generation of kids now who are going to grow up and their first encounter with Mario is going to be you know on their their iPhone or their iPad or their i iPod Touch, you know, it's, it's, that's that's their beginning. And where's it going to well, go the, from here? Uh, who knows?
1: Yeah, the comparison, I think, is, you know, and it's, it's an obvious one that a thousand people have made before, uh, is to Mickey Mouse and the Donald Duck and, you know, the whole gang of characters um, that is, you know, so old that they Disney literally has to keep petitioning the U.S. federal government to keep extending the copyright uh, expiration date uh because they're so old that they would have already passed into the public domain by now and yet are completely relevant and popular
0: uh, and, and and a good source of revenue. <laughs> right. Well th- yeah, uh, I mean that, but they're the, usually one, popular for a reason, right?
1: Well and one reason one reason why that they've remained popular is that the, even under Walt Disney, I think it started with Walt, was don't be afraid to move them into new media. Just keep keep going up with technology. Don't 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 say, well, Mickey's a movie star, so he's never gonna be on TV. No, we're gonna have a TV show and and you know, get everybody to watch it. I mean, it's one of my favorite stories and it's one of the best comparisons between Walt Disney and Steve Jobs that I've ever seen was that he was so willing to let go of the past and always hungry for the future, which was the it goes against human nature. I mean, it even ties back to our discussion on trump and those tech leaders and trump seeing his job as president as protecting the current top companies as opposed to just keeping it fair and letting the revolution happen you know walt was you know in the 50s when tv started to become a thing uh the movie studios were totally disdainful of television and saw it as a lesser medium i mean we saw that until it, really up until vi- just a handful of years ago where being a an actor in the movies was see, is was seen as way more serious than being an actor on TV. It really took until the last handful of years and shows like uh, The Sopranos and Mad Men and Westworld, where people and Game of Thrones, where people see TV as being as good or even better than movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. Walt Disney unlike all the other Hollywood studios, the other Holly, the, the way that Hollywood attacked the TV was by, uh, and part of it is cool. I love CinemaScope and 70 millimeter prints is that that's when TV, that's when movies switched from the four, uh, three aspect six, ratio, 16, yeah, nine, 16 to yeah. nine. And yeah. the bigger, the bigger CinemaScope 2.1 uh, widescreen. And they built bigger screens that had curves and they'd start shooting in 70 millimeter. It was okay. You want to have a little dinky rinky dink, you know, 19 inch black and white display with a lot of static on it. Well, we're going to, you know, start shooting in color and we're going to make it bigger. And that's a fine response, but it certainly didn't stop the march of progress with TV. Walt Disney, on the other hand, was like, "We'll keep making movies, but hell yeah, I want, to, I want to be, I want Mickey Mouse on that TV."
0: He, I, I've always loved that quote of his, where you know he he made movies so that he could make more movies, right? I, I that's, no, he that's made terrible. money so he could, yeah, make- exactly. He made money. On movies, so that he could make more movies, and that's TV was just another way for him to make money to make more cool things, right? Right, and right. that's why I we hope don't, you know we things don't, like Nint, Nint, Nintendo. I hope they do really well on on iOS because if they do, right. they're going to do more, and they'll right. embrace. We don't it. make
1: we don't make movies to make money. We make money to make movies.
0: There you go. Yes, <laughs> and, and he that's meant it. it. You know, you yeah. can roll your um,
1: eyes, but he meant it.
0: Right, and um, um, you know, and it. tying a, that in.
1: Is yeah. the recent announcement that Nintendo has signed a big, big long-term deal with Universal to get uh, like Nintendo World into Universal's theme parks around the world?
0: Sure, makes sense. Which I am,
1: I'm looking forward to tremendously. I, I, I don't, you've probably never been there, but uh, at Universal in Florida, they have a big, I don't know, pr- it got to be billion-dollar deal with uh, the Harry Potter franchise, right? I've seen pictures that, of uh, it,
0: I've never been there, but yeah, it's and it looks great. I mean, yeah, we love nostalgia. Yeah.
1: Were you a uh, Mad Men fan? A what? Ever watch the show Mad-, Mad Men? Oh, Mad Men, yeah. Did you ever watch yeah.
0: it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there, there, right, of course. Yeah, Don Draper. And that's that's probably where Nost- I got that from, right?
1: <laughs> Nostalgia. It's delicate but potent. Yeah. Teddy told me that in Greek, nostalgia literally means the pain from an old wound. It's a twinge in your heart for more, more powerful than memory alone. That's nostalgia.
0: Yep. That's good writing.
1: It's, yeah. That's the uh the one with the the Kodak uh slide. Yep. It's really it's the it's it was like the first season but it's the best. It's the best yeah. episode.
0: And then, and you know, you look at that Kodak thing, right? That's, that that was revolutionary at the time, right? right. And and we as you know, as kids growing up, that was like, you know, we didn't have iPhotos photos and swiping through, you know, we right. had oh, let's put up the screen and stare at dad's slides. Well, and another example of a
1: company a company that lost its way by protecting what it had rather than mm. going to its future. Mm. they were making all their money from film, and they were It's it 's absolutely astounding when you look at how many of the uh, the foundations of digital photography started at kodak, and the people at you know in charge at Kodak padded the engineers who had all these digital camera technologies ready to go. You know, and patted them on their head and said, "Nice work, boys." But uh, we can't sell film.
0: Yeah, well, po- you know, Pol- we're, not, Pol- we're not
1: selling any film for digital cameras, so you know, keep that in the labs. <laughs> but it was actually it didn't Pol- work out it didn't, so well. For exactly,
0: is that actually Polaroid who came up with the first digital right. camera? Like, whoa! Oh, right. Why didn't you guys Kodak follow through, through with that?
1: So yeah, much of it, <laughs> right? Polaroid and Kodak did so much work on it and never took it to market because it would have disrupted their own film business. Well, bottom nice. line.
0: Xerox did the same thing, right? There's a a line of companies that that we remember fondly because they didn't do what Apple does, which is, you know, kill your babies. Right.
1: Preaching to the choir here, but it's in 2006, the single most important product that Apple Computer made was their line of iPods. And it was very clear to anybody who looked at the iPhone with open eyes that, well, once you have one of these, you'll never buy an iPod again. Yeah. Except maybe the cheap no screen one that you don't care about wearing in the pool, right? The one uh, yeah, that doesn't actually yeah. make the company yeah. money. Right? Yeah.
0: The uh, at the same time, I don't think we appreciated how important that camera was going to be. No, we def no, definitely not. Because I mean, the first camera was like yeah, it was it's a piece okay. of garbage. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's it's better than that 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 feature phone I used to have, but yeah. No, but I barely. I'm still, still carrying my, DS, carry my DSLR around, you know. Yeah, barely better, right? It was right. it was more convenient though. That was the thing that right. it was like, ah, right? And you know, Instagram and all this other stuff took off because oh, shit, it's always there. <laughs>
1: I just think that the the time nobody, maybe even Apple, just didn't foresee how quickly uh, cameras that could fit in the space that was available, theoretically, just you know, however much however much space you want to devote into a iPhone size device to the camera, uh, how good the image quality could be out of that camera. I just don't think anybody really foresaw what the next five years were going to be. That first one, it's yeah. ridiculous. I, I've said this before on the show. Like, every every time it comes up, I'm like. I'm I don't think it even shot video. And then I'm like, no, wait, that's not possible. And then I look it up and it's like, yep, didn't shoot, didn't even shoot yeah. shitty video. <laughs> just shot and, you no know, video at, whatsoever.
0: And now, you know, it doesn't even fit in the case anymore. And that's okay. Right? right. You know, we've got the camera bulge because it's like it, it, it it's more important to have that good camera than well, it is to have that clean back line. I'm not going to say it's
1: okay. I accept it. But, ah,
0: uh, it's a it's, it's a compromise, right? It's right. definitely a compromise. But yes, it, I mean, we'd all love it if that back was completely smooth. But we also love the fact that it's not.
1: I have that's the one thing I I don't know what to think about with the Pixel. I have a Google Pixel, and so Google Pixels, Google's just, Google's way around that was to have they have no bump for the camera on the back, but the entire device is slightly wedge shaped, so down at the bottom it's thin and that's the, that's the thinness they like to talk about. And up by the camera, it's thick and there's no one point where there's a bulge. Um, and it's not super at, at a glance it's, you can't even tell, but in your hand it's obvious and it is sort of top heavy. It's, I have mixed feelings about that. I do think just to, I don't want to go too deep on the camera bulge, but I, the but now that it, the iPhone seven has been in my hands for what, three months, October, November, December. Yeah. About three months. Yeah. Um, uh, I do two little things that I really, really like about it. And I know people keep saying that it's the same industrial design, but it's only at, at a glance. The two little things that I really like number one, I like that this camera bump is more of an honest camera bump, right? It's, yeah. It, yeah it's,
0: absolutely. I'm 100% with you there. It's like, it's, it's, it, it looks like a bump. Right. And, and and it is a bump.
1: And they're still running those ads that show the hero shot of the shiny jet black iPhone 7 Plus where the the s- entire central focus of the hero shot is the big capsule sized camera bump on the back like yep. you know and it's perfectly lit and glossy to highlight it and i just keep thinking yeah, it's the complete opposite of the original iphone 6 ads where the articles were apple's product shots are hiding the bump you know where they'd show yeah, it from you the had, side and you'd... you had
0: you had to hunt for it on the apple site right. in order to see it yeah right. it was just like they, they, they just pretending it wasn't there
1: the other thing i really like and i can't explain why i like it so much is that the volume buttons are no longer in a channel on the side they're just two buttons that stick out of the side there used to be a you little can feel them. Yeah,
0: well, but the, yeah, yeah, I, no, I think I think they're easier to locate for me at least. That's, but
1: there's like a there was like a little channel dug in, and the gap between the two volume buttons was therefore more. I don't know. It just felt cheap to me on the iPhone six and six S in a way that the that, that I really like the volume buttons on this better. But anyway, that's neither here nor there.
0: Quick quick question: Did you get the jet black? Yes. I did. Do you love it? I love it, and I, 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 have, I, have, I mean, I, I love being able to carry a phone without a case again. Yep. It's just like it's sticky in my hand, and that's all I wanted. I don't, you know, yeah, yeah, I got the micro abrasions. I, I hold it up here to the light. It's like yeah. I can see them, but I, I don't spend my time looking at the back of the phone. I spend my time holding the back of the phone. Yeah, and, and it's it, just so clearly better yeah, there. Yeah, and I think and after it looks three, awesome.
1: After three months of daily use, I can tell. I, I can project what it'll look like after two years. I mean, I'll only use it for one year, but I mean, what somebody who, who a normal smart person would do and use the phone for at least two years, it's going to look fine. It's not going to look perfect, but yeah. it looks fine. And at a glance, yeah. it still looks nice, black, and shiny. Um, but it's the feel of it. The feel is so much greater. The other thing I can happily, you know, going back to the weather, that was my question in September. It was like in September, when I first felt it, I was like, this definitely mm, feels better to my touch. Yeah. But September was a warm month for us, um, and so right, my hands, right. you know, had that, like, you know, it was warm hands. Now that it's freezing yeah. cold, I can say it still feels better. Even with very, very cold hands, it it's not slippery. Total win. I recommend it wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, it. like I said, it's just so nice to be carrying a phone without a case anymore. Yeah. And that, that's, that was the only reason I put it uh, on, my, on my 5 and my 6. Yeah. Is I know a lot of people it, was, like it felt slippery. It yeah. really felt slippery. And yeah. I mean, i got big hands, right? It's like, I, you, know, <laughs> you know, shit falls out of me really easy. It's like, it's for
1: you holding a phone is like a normal person holding like a matchbook. It's easily, it just slips,
0: you know. Yeah, the the, the iPad mini is the right size. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, let me take a break here and thank our next sponsor. It is a longtime friend of the show. What a great company, Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code talk show. Once again, just talk show at checkout and you'll get 10% off.
0: What you mean there's, they do websites. Yeah, it's great. You
1: just go there and they can do any type of website you want. It is absolutely amazing. It, It really is more of a software platform than, uh, like a hosting service. It's, it's, they do the hosting so you can go there and register your domain and they, they're the ones who take care of hosting the server. Um, but it's so much more than that. It's not. It. It. it it's not. What you shouldn't think of Squarespace as a web hosting provider that has WYSIWYG stuff. It really is a platform for building websites. Sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. No coding required. You can pick through a whole bunch of templates for like a blog. You could host a podcast. You could host a store. You can host a portfolio if you're like an artist or or a, a designer. Um. Intuitive to easy-to-use and easy-to-use tools. But if you want to get in there and modify the code, you can do that too. There's like, an, a, I wouldn't even call it an escape hatch, but you can get out of the WYSIWYG mode and inject your own code if you want. If, you're, if that's something you can do, you can definitely do it. Uh, and if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name. This, this is the easiest and best way to get a website off the ground. One of the other ways that Squarespace is a great service for the sort of people who listen to this show is if you have somebody else in your life, like let's say like a school, maybe you're a parent and you're involved with the school or a church or at some other community group and they need a website and you're sort of the technically minded person who's involved with the group or whatever. Squarespace is a great way to get somebody like that, to get them a site at a low price on a monthly basis and have it in a way where once you've got this for them and you can hand it over, you don't ever get your phone never rings with, we need to update this. We need to change this. It can all just happen by the people who are involved. You you can just wash your hands of it and they'll thank you so much because they've got this website that they love. Um, it's a really, really great thing to keep in your mind for anybody else, any other organization in your life that needs a website. So you can get a free trial and get your site off the ground and see what it looks like at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up and start paying, just remember that offer code TALKSHOW, and you get 10% off your first purchase, Squarespace.
0: i got a question for you. About you can ask me anything, Craig. Could, could they make, during Fireball, a, uh, a responsive web design? Uh, well, I could make Darren Fireball a
1: responsive website. I do think all of Squarespace's default templates are
0: yeah, are responsive. That's, that's, I bring that up because that's an important thing these days. And I know, I know, I know that's a cheap shot, but no, it's not. It's overdue. It's overdue by years, and it's it's it. The fact
1: that it's overdue by years is that only contributes to the inertia of of not updating it. Uh, part of it is your fault, really, as much as anybody. Oh yeah, I'm because sure. Because back in two thousand seven. Uh, when oh the I- right yeah, first yeah, launched, yeah yeah you gave me the meta tag that made daring fireball. I, I've had to update that since because the way those meta tags have worked for the viewport size, yeah. Uh like the the curse of daring fireball's existing design is that it's one double tap away from being right pretty good. Yeah, that's and right. In large part, uh, I. <sighs> I would say at least 85%, maybe at least probably around 85% of what it would look like if it were responsive just by double tapping the column. Yep. Uh,
0: but the yeah, fact, you know, the, the thing that bugs me the most is when I tap on the quoted part and then the the text around it right falls out off the right. edges and it's like uh, so but yeah you, you you're you're close and I yeah I do remember that uh that meta tag yeah, it's your fault. Right, if Daring Fireball had looked
1: uh, completely un, unre- do we want to give everybody my email
0: did- address so that they can bitch to me? Now?
1: No, I well, I but that's the thing it, that it's it's uh, for a non-responsive site, it's about as good as it could get, you know. So I don't, you know, people complain and people, and when it becomes responsive, and it will, uh, I'm sure people will be thank you, this is great, um, I'll, you know, but who knows? I'll probably get just as many complaints because the fonts will change at the same time. Uh, It'll happen, but it's, it's the fact that it's, in my opinion, pretty darn good as is, is makes it easy to say, well, it never quite rises up to the, here's how I should spend the next two weeks, you know?
0: I've got a, got a question for you. Somebody who used to have a website had a dark background with light text, um, and somebody who got older, are you having trouble reading the site these days with the, the light text on the dark background?
1: No, I still find that the color scheme on During Fireball is, for my eyes at least, is is more readable than the opposite. Yeah, it's
0: because I, it's not
1: super high contrast. Exactly because it's not yeah, black.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's the thing. I mean, the icon factory used to be like black, black with white and you know orange hyperlinks, and it was when we retired that site, it was like oh. Thank God, because you know the, the contrast was killing me. It's like I I was in my forties and it's like my eyesight started to deteriorate, and it's like, oh, what do we do here? It's, you know, I see. I, in fact, I see a lot of design that's by designers who are in their twenties or early thirties and have great eyesight and make decisions based upon that, and don't realize that you know a large portion of their audience is not got their good eyesight the uh curse of it is that i
1: still i love my my taste in graphic design runs towards uh very small print and on not even really online online it's always been frustrating for me because i couldn't make it small enough like i that's one of the things i missed from print design is i loved putting truly tiny type into designs inappropriate like little in jokes or you know footnotes and stuff like that um but you know, at this point, I, I you know, at a very young age, I've I've got the presbyopia where it, it's really really hard for me to read it.
0: Well, you've also got the display preference too. That i uh, right. How how many people actually scroll down to the bottom and see display preferences I don't
1: know. there? Uh, very few. So anybody who doesn't know, if you do think that the type on Daring Fireball is too small, if you go to daringfireball.net/slash/prefs, you don't don't even hunt for the link, but it's at the bottom of the page. It says display preferences and. Actually, I think there's, it's down to one preference. <laughs> there used to be more. Right? Yeah,
0: it's like font size, save. <laughs>
1: yeah. Can I tell you a story? I, 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 there used to be a thing in here for... Uh, this is totally off, uh, off topic, but I, it's interesting to me. And maybe people who... I haven't wanted to write about it, but if I talk about it, maybe I can get this fixed. I don't know. Uh, there used to be a preference in here where you could set your Amazon country... And I had a script so that whenever I linked to an Amazon product, it would, based on that preference setting, put a link in with my Amazon affiliate code for that country. I think there were only three. I think the only I didn't bother going all the way around the world, but I took like the top three countries for Daring Fireball readers, which are um, the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Uh, very few people ever did it for the U.K. But I, at one point. Early on, as when Daring Fireball went, when I went full time with it, the Amazon revenue was, it was one of the, it it was like a multi, it's good, it it was good
0: money, yeah, it's it's right,
1: it was never ever anywhere close to something I depended on, but it was you know a little bit, it was a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, and you know it it
0: contributed to keeping, it's not paying your rent, but it'll pay for a couple of good dinners every month, yeah,
1: right, and the. The importance of that revenue as a percentage of Daring farwell's overall revenue slipped every year. And I also started feeling in recent years, very recent years, that it was maybe not a great idea for me to put Amazon links in there. Because Amazon has become more of a company that I write about uh, editorially. Mm. Like,
0: I don't do... Conflict of interest I, I, kind of thing, yeah.
1: Right. Just, you know, not in a big way, you know, but in a little way, you know, yeah. like maybe it's just a little better if if I don't. And I I'd, I'd also thought this way when I link. I, so for years now, I've just linked to Amazon without my code. M- usually, every once in a while, I think, ah, what the hell, put it in. But I, whenever I put it in, I always feel like I should say, and at, sometimes I have said, that's a promotional, you know, put in parentheses, that's a promotional link and I'll get a few percent. Of whatever it is that you buy if you click it um but I haven't i i just I've just gotten away from it, and my Amazon affiliate revenue used to be maybe you know like a thousand dollars a month and sometimes so maybe around Christmas like it would be like you know like i i think I think the most it ever was is maybe like three or four thousand dollars in a month for December because I would put like a, Hey, here's a couple of top selling holiday items. And if you click any of these links, you'll, you'll, this is maybe like 10 years ago, eight, right. eight nine, 10 years ago. Uh, anyway, long story short, about two months ago, I got a note from Amazon, an email that said that I violated their clause by telling people to click on a link. Oh, and, and they've terminated my account. It was, And I searched. There were no other – I never got a warning. I didn't ignore – I mean, because this is very common for me. I have so many unread emails. It was one shot and done. I'm out of the Amazon affiliate program.
0: Yep. They, they one want shot to, and done. They want to avoid clickbaiting, right? It's like well, that's a-
1: but uh, But when did – I thought, well, when the hell did I ever do that? And I found one article that was back in like 2004 maybe – When I first started using Amazon Affiliates, and what I did there was technically against, and I guess against what they're saying I did, but it was a 2004 article and not one that's like an evergreen, uh, very popular article that that people keep linking on. And I'm sure that somehow they ran some automated tool that uncovered that article. But it was twelve years old,
0: or somebody didn't like something you said, and they went looking for something to. Maybe, but I don't think so. Yeah. Amazon doesn't strike me. You I never mean, know that. Yeah, you never know. But it's it's, it's but good. they could have it's also that that You don't like... rely on it, right? It's, it's also it's, right. it's great. You know that you don't. You know you've got your sponsors, and that pays for your writing, and that's awesome. Right, your you know, awesome uh, position.
1: they could have looked and seen that. And I would say for the last year or so, I've had maybe like a hundred to two hundred dollars a month in revenue from Amazon affiliate. So it's cutting off a very small portion of it. But I thought that the <sighs> what did, no they, so warning they, they,
0: they didn't cut off everything. They only
1: cut off a portion. No, they cut off every. They did, uh, my my uh, uh, you know uh, Amazon basically... Affiliates tag no longer works. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That's yeah. it. It yeah. was completely out. Yeah. It's it's the equivalent of one you know like having like the Apple equivalent of you know like what they did to the Dash developer you know you're out yeah you're done
0: with but no I warning
1: had, and and, they, and and they even and I think the email even said there's no you know there is no there is no recourse you know there's no you know there was nothing like if you would like to uh, you know uh,
0: no uh, appeal no dispute nothing. this yeah right <laughs> you're out
1: and then it ended with like have a nice day
0: I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you have sponsors. Thank you.
1: Right. So if there's anybody <laughs> at Amazon who's listening to the show who thinks that's kind of fishy, you know, write to me at Daring Fireball. And I would love to have a communication about it. Not so much that I even care I want to put it back on, but I'd love to know more about what happened with this because it's, to me, very curious. And, you know... It seems like these things get publicized a lot when Apple does it to people. And I've never seen anybody complain about this with Amazon before. But there are other sites that are completely and utterly dependent upon their Amazon affiliate revenue. I mean, it's pretty much the secret to, like, the Wirecutter and, and their business model. Yep. Uh,
0: yep. Kotki is another case where, you know, you, it, yeah. it does a, the gift recommendations. And you, you yeah. know every one of those is going to come up with the... Os- yeah, his old oscillate domain. You, know? it's like you see that, and it's like, okay, good. Right. Jason making some money there. Awesome.
1: Uh, I don't know. I thought that was kind of odd. Do you see this thing uh, moving on? Do you see this uh, story about the Uber self-driving car that ran around <laughs> like in San Francisco? Yeah,
0: that's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> I will put a link in the show notes. One thing that I thought was wow, that's scary. To the video was shot by like a cab's dashboard cam. Uh, and it really did show a, a, a Volvo, an Uber self-driving Volvo with the whole big... It's very obvious because it had the, 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 the self-driving like, rig.
0: The dingus on top, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's
1: a real big dingus on top. And it just sails right through a red light like three seconds and it, after and it, it went red. And
0: it's pretty close to a pedestrian too, right? You can see the yeah. person that's like, you know, okay, it's two or three feet away, but, you know, hey, you know, we, we've all been crossing the street in a city and have... A, a close call, and thank. Well, yeah, the other that could have other, been me. The other thing that could that's, have ended badly. The other th- <laughs>
1: Right, and the other thing that struck me in terms of that could have been me is that's right at the part of San Francisco where we always go. It's right. like it's right, right, right by the W, of,
0: exactly, right in front of the museum. <laughs> I think it was <laughs> right, right, right
1: in front of the MoMA, which is right around the corner from Moscone, and is therefore like I mean, we, for we, those of us who just
0: <laughs> yeah, we could have been drinking for the last six hours. Right, <laughs> Got like, nailed. <laughs>
1: It's part of that whole South of Market Union Square area where people who go for Moscone related events, you know, you just tend to become familiar with. It was right there. Like it's yeah. I'm not familiar with most of San Francisco, but it's the part of San Francisco I'm intimately familiar with. Yeah, although I was you like, know Holy
0: crap. Although if you're drinking at the W or the St. Regis or one of those places, you are probably not having that much to drink because the drinks are so expensive, but yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh Here's the thing that struck me. I'll put a link into the show notes with this Bloomberg story, but uh, Uber PR, Uber spokesman Matt Wing said in a statement. Hats off to them for at least putting their spokesman's name in the statement, unlike Apple, who almost never puts the spokesperson's name and just attributes to an Apple spokesperson. But anyway, this is the statement. This incident was due to human error. This is why we believe so much in making the road safer by building self-driving Ubers. This vehicle was not part of the pilot and was not carrying customers. The driver involved has been suspended while we continue to investigate. And you think, oh, so it wasn't, you know, like the driver ran the red light. But I think, no, I think this is the worst type of public relations statement possible, where yep. I think this was very carefully calibrated word by word, where you read it and you think, oh, so it was a human error. It was a human driver who ran the red light. Uh, whereas if you think about it, if if it was the self-driving car that ran the red light,
0: why the hell driver... Yeah.
1: This is what I think happened. I think this car was in self-driving mode. I think they were lucky, and there was... I think they're not lying. I think there was no passenger... At the moment, because otherwise that would be just a blatant lie because it said, quote, was not carrying customers. So I think it was empty. Um, but I think the self-driving car went right through. And when they say it was human error, what they mean is that the the employee behind the wheel did wasn't paying attention because it was in self-driving mode and didn't manually apply the brake when it was clear that the car was going to sail through the red light. All right. That's what I think happened. I think it was a self-driving error. The self-driving car went right through the red light. There was a pedestrian right in front of it who, luckily, you know, seemed to hear the car coming and you know waited. Uh, and they're saying it's human error because the human behind the wheel didn't manually apply the brake. Yep, which that's... would be, I think, would be an excruciatingly hard job. I really do. Be- if let's say you had to spend six hours in a self-driving car that was ninety-nine percent oh. accurate.
0: Yeah, and be ab- ready ab- to hit the. Absolutely, it's like you know those 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 right. videos that show the uh, the Teslas in their self drive mode. I get so anxious with those, and I can't take my hand or my eyes off of the the, the, the driver's hands that are, that are right. clearly it's- not touching the steering wheel. It's like, oh my god, what's going to happen next?
1: <laughs> right, like it would be. It's easy to drive a car for six hours and not run a red light or hit anybody because you're driving, but to not be driving. And have everything go fine, maybe for like five days, maybe you've done it five days in a row, and nothing wrong has happened, but to still be at a moment's notice to hit the brakes,, yep. I think it, it requires a level of concentration that I know I personally do not have. Now I also know you're
0: probably also monitoring other things about the system, right, Looking at you know dials right. and switches, right. and you know it's like, okay, you could,
1: you could put me behind the wheel of a self-driving car for an hour and i would be i would be completely at paying attention cuz i would be it would be like holy shit this car is driving itself i'm terrified i'm ready to go right i'd have my hands you know my fingers twitching ready to take the wheel my hand my foot on the brake you know ready to go cuz for like the first hour or so i'm going to be blown away and amazed and kind of scared after like you know 20 hours 30 hours it becomes normal right it is very hard to be paying that level of attention to something that Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you don't need to be paying attention to.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that that when you connect this piece of news with some piece of news, the from what was it last week, week before about the the actual cost of an Uber trip is like forty or sixty percent more than they actually charge you. Yeah. Um, if you connect those dots, it's like. Uber, you know anybody who runs a business knows that e- the cost of your employees is by far your biggest cost. Yeah, it's just it, that's where all the money goes. So, you know, them saying this is why we believe so much in making the road safer by building self-driving Ubers—that's that's, <laughs> kind of bullshit, right? They believe in right. building self-driving Ubers because it's going to make their business profitable, right? You right. can, you can, you can. That oh, it costs forty or sixty percent too much well you know you don't have to pay a driver sitting behind the wheel and all of a sudden the whole economic situation changes and you're making shitloads of money because you know you have a one-time cost for that computer that drives the car you know your your front cost is the computer and the car
1: I think there is a hey, let's save lives and switch to self driving cars. That is true. There are way there are millions of people who are killed every year by automobile accidents. And I truly and honestly believe that we will look back on that as and and, and our societies and my personal acceptance of it. I own a car, I drive uh as barbarous. Yeah. Like no, it's, it's hopefully gonna, sooner it's, rather than later. Hopefully gonna, it'll happen really soon. And ten, maybe ten years from now, maybe fifteen, maybe twenty at the most. But I think we'll look back on it, and 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 I think it'll. Be, I think people who 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 continue to insist on driving their own cars will start to be looked at as people who you know smoke around babies. I really do because I do think that the. I think the technology. It's clear. It's not here yet, but it's clearly going to be here. Where a, a system where all the cars are automated will and they reduce network congestion, together.
0: Yeah, they network together and.
1: And the safety improvements will be dramatic, absolutely dramatic. But I I think you're exactly right that Uber's (laughs) interest in this. (laughs) Yeah. Very much
0: primarily about the wages they have to pay to a driver in every car. And a bigger issue is our society is not prepared for this change, right? When you think about, okay, all of our transportation infrastructure is going to become automated. I mean, compare that to our entire – manufacturing infrastructure becoming automated you know robots are well in in, in production lines are putting people out of out of work those people that are out of work become disenfranchised those people that are disenfranchised do weird shit at the time when it to vote.
1: It ties back in <laughs> ties back in with Trumpism, where Trump's story is that a bunch of good jobs all went to China, and that we could bring those bad, bad jobs back to China. And it's true that obviously a lot of stuff is made in China or, or other countries in Asia. But I, I, there's a whole bunch of stuff. If you read, I mean, and that's true. It's but it's a more complicated story than that. And that I've i I think it's I think it's arguable, and, and at least some people have made the argument based on facts that more manufacturing jobs in the U.S. have been lost to automation than to. Um, yep. Yep. Now and, the fact and, and, that it's like a double whammy.
0: Right. And vocational right. training, you know, te- teaching yep. people how to work in that new environment is just not there. Right. That's what all I'm right. saying. So you know society isn't ready for it. You know, and and it, it, you know, it, it, all these it, truck drivers that you know that that haul just, all our, yep. our shit cross country, yep. uh what are they gonna There's do?
1: There's an awful lot of a lot of people, let's face it, mostly men, but all you know the certainly a lot more women than there used to be who are truck drivers, but truck driving is is a large, a very very common profession. Uh, and it is, I think, going to be one of the first that goes away in the world of autonomous vehicles.
0: Yep. Uh, yep.
1: And, and what and, happens and it'll then?
0: be And it will, it'll be better for all of us, right? It's a, You know, you think of it, it, when these vehicles are networked together, right, they know a lot more about each other than we do. Right, you don't know yep. what the intentions of the person driving in front of you is. If that's a computer in front of you, you can share your GPS coordinates, where your destination is, where you've been, oh, so how much things. gas you've got. You know, there's all sorts of data that can be exchanged between these between these devices. It's like you know, well, it's, like it's network it's computers huge. are way more interesting than a single laptop sitting on your desktop. Right. A huge
1: source of car accidents, I think often non-fatal ones, thankfully, you know, ones – but, you know, for all the – obviously, the fatalities are the worst thing. Worst. I mean, just, you know, I don't have to yeah. no, emphasize that's... why. But the, the minor ones, the fender benders on a freeway that maybe nobody's hurt at all but can, you know, cause you to be an hour and a half late for work yeah, – uh, yeah. Or you know simply a matter of you, paying right? attention?
0: It ruins your day. And when I think you're they're one the of those. <laughs> they're the ones
1: that'll be the easiest. They're the ones that'll be the easiest to avoid when every car involved is is uh, is autonomous.
0: Yeah. Well, you've you've seen those those videos of you know the wave propagation, right? One person taps on yes, their yes. on their on their yep. their brakes. Somebody sees the red yep. lights. They tap on theirs. So on and so on, and, so on. and it, you know that wave propagates to the point where the wave stops, yep. right? Yep. And, and, you know, it's all happened to all of us. It's like, you know, why am I stopped on the freeway, right? Oh, there's got to be some accident up uh, ahead of us. You know, five minutes later, you know, you're looking for this accident and it's not there, right? So, you know, eliminate yeah. that and everybody's life gets a little easier except for the people that get paid to drive.
1: Yeah. So there's a sci-fi. Everybody knows the sci-fi future. The sci-fi future is very few people have to work, and we have robots. You know, it's a life of leisure for everybody. And you know, robot. You know, it's the uh, the people who live on the ship in uh, Wally, right right? Mm-hmm. Just you know, lounge about the the you know the pool deck all day long, uh, and robots bring you your food, and, and you don't. Nobody has to work. Uh, Kill me there's now. A, <laughs> <laughs> right, but there's there is a very painful period between here and there because here it's expected that to be a successful person, you're gainfully and fully employed at a you know at a, at a as high a wage as possible. So I don't know. Problems coming. Uh, let me take one last break here, and and then afterwards we have a great thing to talk about your book. Uh, but let me tell you right now about our third and final sponsor. Our good friends at backblaze backblaze offers unlimited native backup for your Mac and PC no credit card required to sign up no risk fifteen day free trial just go to backblaze slash daring fireball not the talk show not talk show daring fireball they just use that same code whether they 're on the site or whether they 're here on the uh, the podcast uh, you install it it 's a great native system pref panel runs on your mac it 's written by former Apple engineers. Uh doesn't mess up your system or gum it up or anyway. It's not like some kind of gross thing. You know, like running something that runs in the background and does something, it's it gives you the heebie jeebies. Backblaze runs and it backs up everything. Everything you want backed up. If you have an external hard drive and it's like a big like four terabyte external hard drive, you think, well, I gotta pay extra for that. No. It'll back it up. The only hitch, the only thing where it's like, well, that sounds too good to be true. The only hitch is that the more data you have, the more external drives, the longer it takes for that initial backup to get everything up there. They can't beat bandwidth. Whatever your upstream is from your computer to the cloud, that's how much can get backed up at a time. Uh, So it might take a while for that initial backup. But then after that, everything gets backed up incrementally. Uh, They have iPhone apps android apps a website where you can access your backup so if you're out and about and you're on your iPhone and you need like one file uh just to send somebody you can use the backblaze app log in get that file email it off or send it by text message or whatever uh catastrophe strikes something happens uh roof leaks water gets all over your computer shorts it out or something like that uh uh something terrible you need to restore everything you can get them to to put everything you have on a hard drive, and have it overnighted to you by FedEx. And if you want, when they do that, uh, you can restore it, put it on your own hard drive, and then you, you can send that hard drive—you know, erase it, send it back to uh, to Backblaze, uh, and they'll give you your money back for the drive. You'll just pay for the shipping or whatever. It's it's a great service. If you need a full restoration, if you just need one file, they've restored over ten billion files for their customers. No gimmicks, no additional charges. Here's what it costs: five a month per computer for unlimited unthrottled off-site backup. Here's why I am so happy to do that do this, read this show. Go home for the holidays and give your parents give them a real present. Give him a present. Give him give your dad a, a, the shaving kit from Harry's or whatever. But while you're there at their house, just sign them up for Backblaze. Don't give it to him as a gift because back up it doesn't sound like a good gift. Just do it though. Just go to your parents' house or wherever else you go. Anybody else who's in your extended family when you're home for the holidays, sign them up for Backblaze. Put it on your own credit card, and just know that you're done them a great favor for just five bucks a month.
0: Yeah, what a that, great thing to do for your parents. That. That and it'll five, be peace five, of mind for you. That five bucks is cheap. As soon as you lose your data, and you know, everybody, as soon as dude, your mom, God. your mom calls you up Where in the middle of July, <laughs>
1: right, and says this, says that there's a kernel panic and whatever, and the thing doesn't start up or whatever, you just you just think, you know what? How great is this? I know that I, you know, you, all of her stuff, all your mom's stuff, your dad's stuff is backed up. Just do it for him. What a great feeling it would be. It, if you did that. So go do that over the holidays when you see them. Go to backblaze.com slash daring fireball to find out more uh, and you'll support the show. All right, Craig, here we go.
0: Da, 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 the book, da, da.
1: Making Sense of Color Management. Yeah. It's an so $8 that, book from a book apart.
0: How long did it take you to write? Like uh, two years. Uh, it started in November 2014. And, you know, you blame me for uh, the uh, non-responsive during Fireball I blame the Safari engineers for for this whole thing happening Um, they it it was was Mountain Lion was the release at the time and all of a sudden the colors in Safari were subtly different than the ones in Chrome I was like what the heck is going on here and you know we have that product Xscope which has you know lets you do all sorts of screen measurements and stuff um a lot of designers, a lot of developers use it to, to help a with their loop. work. Xscope has yeah, a, Xscope yeah. has
1: an on-screen loop that you can – it's a little window. You can drag over another window, and then you can have it zoom in on that window and show you what's underneath it. Pers- and it could be – like, at the time, I think you're, what you're saying is you could drag it over to Safari, and it you'd see this one color in Safari, and then you'd look at it in Xscope, and it would be like a slightly color-shifted
0: color. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you expect it to be, you know, hash – you know, C zero zero, and it's like hash C three six. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And it turns out that they had implemented color management for their CSS colors, and that was like, oh okay, I've got to fix this bug. <laughs> and that was the start of my learning about color management. And as I learned about it, it was like oh, I should write this down. You know, maybe make a good blog post and. It's one of those topics that the more you learn about it, the more you know what you don't know. And there got to be like 10,000 words in my blog post, and I was like, "Eh, this is not a blog post anymore. So I got in contact with uh, Jeffrey Zeldman and some other people at A Book Apart, and they were like, yeah, we'd love to publish this. And now it's and, only, what is it, about 75 pages? Yeah, it, I mean, that was the hard part, right? It's taking this right. really complex topic and distilling it. And, I mean, I, my editor at A Book Apart was Tina Lee. It was just awesome because, you know, she would challenge me. It's like, you oh, know, this is too long, right? I don't understand what you're saying mm. here. Mm. And I really had to, you know, I probably wrote the book in its entirety three different times. Um, I, I, in fact, I, I, we were pretty close to being done, and Apple announced color management in iOS 10. <laughs> <It's> like, uh, <laughs> oh wait, we're not done. <laughs> so you know, basically two chapters. You know, the chapter on on uh, web browsers because Safari on iOS changed significantly in that release, and the chapter on uh, mobile apps yep. was completely rewritten and. and Sample code and all the stuff that goes along with it was like, well, okay. But I think it it came out really well in the end.
1: It it affects anybody who makes anything for the screen, honestly. I I mean this sincerely. I'm not just trying to sell copies of the book. But whether you're a designer, a graphic designer who makes assets for, you know, graphical assets for apps and websites, or if you're a front-end developer on the web who's making stuff for, for, you know, HTML, CSS, you know, web development. Uh, or if you are a, an app developer for native apps for Mac or iOS, uh, this book is for you. And and not, in no way, and one of the things one of the things that I love about the book is at no point to me does it is it is it all that clear who the main audience is for. It's balanced. It's not like oh, it's a book for. Programmers, but if you're a designer, you can still get something out of it. Or the other way, it's it's a book for designers, but you should read it if you're a programmer because you, you need to understand this stuff.
0: It, yeah. It's, we, we, it we, is we, perfectly we,
1: balanced from
0: all those perspectives. I'll tell you a little story. We struggled with the title because you know, it, initially we were going to call hmm. it Color Management for Developers. And then it was like, no, because it's for designers too. And then it's like, oh, working with color is kind of like too vague and... um jason santa maria came up with making sense of color management it was like just clicked right because it's like that's what Mm. it's all about right we're trying to take this black dark art that that everybody's kind of Mm. fiddled with some knobs and kind of maybe got something working but doesn't really understand what's going on it's and you know the you know when you read the book you realize that the Making sense also applies to our visual sense, right? There's a lot of, in mm. the, the fact, the core of color management is really a, a mathematical modeling of how our eye works, which right. to me is, is which fascinating. is explained
1: really well in the book.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> really That's, well. So that was that, that was my <laughs> aha moment. It's like, oh wait, we've got all these devices that have different color profiles, different way of characterizing color, and they all kind of they're a little different. But then we got this thing called an eye, which doesn't change. It doesn't, you know. Yes, it changed over, you know, millions of years due to evolution. But you know, and at its core, I mean, that is the thing that's that doesn't change. So it's you know, color management all revolves around that sense of vision.
1: So, and in terms of being well timed in terms of where we are as an industry. You're right, web browsers. Safari leading the way has yeah. color management well, in their browser. You
0: know, and the reason they did that is clear now, right? It's like they needed right. color management because they knew that they were coming out with these new displays, which have a wider right. gamut. And that's
1: the other, the other shoe that's dropping is the display technology. It's starting with the iMac 5K last year. Yep. Which was their first product with the what do they call it? A
0: deep color gamut it's a wide it, color? It, gamut? Wide color, yeah. It, it right.
1: This gets into the argument that you've had with our our mutual friend Gus Mueller, yeah, who yeah. technically uh, edit, edited your book. Gus prefers
0: deep, deep? color. Yeah, it, it, right. it, it, it He's he's right. Tec- it's technically it's deeper. You've got you know sixteen pix- or sixteen bits instead of eight. So yes, it's a it's a deeper pixel, but um. That only talks about the pixel, and I think the reason why Apple has started calling it wide colors is not only talking about the actual pixels, but it's also talking about the gamut, which is the thing that that you know these displays can display more color. And yeah, it's it's not I, like something. It, it's I, not like Retina, right? Retina, you looked at the display and it was immediately right. obvious. It, it, right. The the thing that I'm hearing. In fact, my wife got one of these new uh, 4K LG displays for her new uh, uh, MacBook. Pro and it was like the first thing she said to me was like, "Wow, this display looks great, right?" <laughs> Horace Horace Dedu said the same thing about the the uh, the iPad Pro, the nine point seven inch iPad Pro, the first yeah. uh, iOS device that had a uh, uh, wide color display. There's something striking about this display. I don't know what it is, but it's just it looks great. It's and the 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 way that I explain it to people, is like the you know, if you'd only ever had a bass speaker, right? You've only, you'd only mm. ever listened to music on, you know, a bass speaker. And then somebody gave you a tweeter. You would be like, wow, mm. this sounds a lot better. You know, you basically, you're getting more detail, right? You, you've, you become accustomed to something. And that's what Retina was. Retina gave us more pixels. People picked up it on it immediately. But then right. you start talking about a... Uh, a wider range of tonal values, and it's a lot harder to ex- express that. You know, it's like you know, you yeah. give more dynamic range in your music, and it's like it sounds better, but you don't really know why.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's any. I don't think there's any trick to which which came first. Retina resolution is far more important.
0: I would, yeah. you know, I, oh, yeah. I think everybody yeah. would agree. I'd no. rather have
1: a retina resolution without the deep gamut than to have a deep gamut display but the old pre-retina resolution it's not even right, close right it's is, is more important it's more noticeable but the next step is clearly increasing the number of colors that's why i think apple goes with wide because i think they're describing it from the user's perspective
0: yeah absolutely yeah yeah it, it, it gives you a wider vision of 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 uh, of your of your life and you know the, the, the fact that the uh the iPhone cameras now are shooting in display P3, you know, there's going to be a lot more of these wide gamut images floating around, um, you know, the internet, right? Well, there already are. Every (laughs) photo that's taken with an iPhone seven already. It's yeah. And, 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 you know, we actually, uh, um, the, the guys at Instagram, um, Mike Krieger and, and, the, the crew there I, I gave an early version of, of the book because I knew you know they're gonna have this problem you know the you know you kinda Apple loves to have apps on stage when they announce something new. It's pretty obvious to me that the, the display P three right. screens and cameras were coming to the next iPhone. Connect the dots, okay, and I'll give them a copy of the book. And, and it really helped them. Right? When it's the iPad Pro me. got it yeah. Yeah, when I, the
1: iPad Pro got the wide color gamut with the in the 9.7 form factor in March, I I thought it was a sure thing that the iPhone would yeah, get it. Yeah,
0: me too. And it, and and that so, explained, you know, the, again, back to, you know, Mountain Lion, the guys in Safari changing the way things work subtly. It all kind right. of fell into place that okay, this is not just a Mac thing. This is an iOS thing. Right. This is, you know, it turns out that the touch bar on the new MacBook Pros is a Display P3 gamut and on an OLED. <laughs> really? on, yeah, on, on an OLED. I did not know that. Yeah, so it, it's going to be everywhere, and 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 I did as not develop- know that. that's and, and, great. And as developers who are just thinking that 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 a pixel is you know eight bits of red, eight bits of green, eight bits of blue, you're in for some surprises when that's no longer just eight bits. Number one and number two. It's characterized by a, an i c c color profile right a year you, that's and that's the the thing that i uh, i'm describing in the book yeah. and, that, and and the, and the it, challenge
1: it, for people working today i it it it'll i'm not going to say it'll be easier, but in a way it would be like let's fast forward ten years and I think we can probably guess that ten years from now. Almost all commonly used devices will have the wide color displays.
0: Oh, and yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, and, it's, a, it's a competitive advantage for Apple right now, right? Right. They, yes. they and, are they're ahead of the game, right? Like they were the head of the right. game with Retina, right? They're ahead of the game yeah, with a, a lot of technology. This,
1: this looks better, is a, is a compelling competitive advantage in almost every single field. There's almost no market where this looks better than the competition is not even like, seriously. I'm not even being a, a jerk, but even like if you're selling produce, if you have fresh fruit that looks better than the store across the street, it's better. It, it's a competitive advantage. Yeah, um,
0: that's one of the things that so, pissed me. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that pissed me off about the the Google Pixel comparisons with the iPhone. All the comparisons I looked at were in the sRGB color space. They had to right. actually take the photo that came off of the iPhone and crapify it to compare it on their, you know, their webpage, right? They, they we talked they about didn't. this,
1: and there were some of these some of these competitions, it, it, or, you know, like, hey, let's compare the Google Pixel to the iPhone Seven in photos. It looks like whatever they did to reduce the color gamut, and some of the cases, it it. Really washed them out. I mean, because yeah. it's there's different yeah. ways to do it. There is no easy way to just say take this image that was shot with the wide color gamut and just do the one true way to show it on a on a right. pre you know or, display. Or it if seemed you, like some of them converted it in a way that really washed it out.
0: Yeah, or you can if you then decide okay, I'm going to just ignore the color profile. You've got a different right. problem, right? You've got colors shifting, so it's either going to wash right. out or it's going to shift. So you really you, and and that's why web developers need to start understanding this stuff, right? If you're going to present this good, high quality photography on your web page or in your mobile app or wherever, you need to understand what you're dealing with. And well, here this. But, this yeah. is
1: why I love the book. I love the book, and I, I, I you were kind enough to ask me to write the foreword for it, uh, and, I did, and I did, and I hope it turned out all right. But uh, no, I, just write I the foreword.
0: I'm very happy you did that. The, that what made me. The nut very of the foreword,
1: the nut of it is that what makes the book great is that you don't just say here's what to do to make your stuff look right. You explain why. Right. If you do this, this is why it will look right on all of the displays you're targeting whereby right is the best it could possibly look according to your intentions as the designer or the photographer or whatever it is that you're displaying. Here's why. Here's what to do and why. And understanding it it makes it so much easier to remember it. And it's also more satisfying because that's to me... It, it, the voodoo of before and and like the eye opener for me was that it, for me the something that was completely opposite of what I expected is that sometimes in some cases you're actually better off the right thing to do is not to embed a color profile right right right, right? Yeah. I've always done that and then uh, the, things don't look right my my daring fireball you know five a two five a uh, it doesn't quite look right. It's like all of a sudden the background, why? And then I start flipping switches, and then all of a sudden I've got a ver- exported ping that looks right here and there. Okay, it, it's I'm happy because now I've got this asset that looks it at, at, to my eyes right on both Chrome and Safari. But because I don't know why, it, it it's like I lose a little sleep at night.
0: Yeah, right. And then, and then you go look at it on an iPad. Or an Android device, and it's wrong. It's like that, that's, yeah. the, that's the classic one. It's like, oh, wow. How did so, that happen? The,
1: so, the other thing that, to I, that I really love about this book, and I think it really shows, and you even spoke about working with your editor, is that it, it, it clearly a lot of work went into what's there, but then a lot of work went into taking out what's not there. And yep. there was an old adage in the print days, and I know a lot of people buy their books now as eBooks and and for computer books in particular, that's true. Um, but in the print days, there was a, a, a real problem, and people who, or at least in tech books, which was that. Uh, and this is true. I mean, I've spoken to, uh, I, I, one time I met, I met Tim O'Reilly and even spoke to him about it, but that they knew based on, on, on sales that based on topics, what people would do is they'd go into the bookstore and they, they knew they wanted to get a book on SQL and they did, there's 12 of them, so they would just buy the thickest one. Because they would think, well, they're all forty dollars. I'll just get this one that's thicker and figure it's got more.
0: Got and it. There was I, a real I, correlation. I hated those books that had you know just reams and reams of source code in the book. It's like, yeah. oh, and there, you know they there, were doing there, it just to pad it out. Just there they was, want, there wanted it to really, be heavier. <laughs> a
1: really strong, provable correlation between best-selling books by topic and best topics by length. The the longer, thicker books by Topic were tended to be the best sellers, and that didn't make them the best books. Sometimes the best book is is shorter. Sometimes there, you know, there are some great books, some great technical books that are really thick. You know, the the Programming Pearl is one that I go to all the time. Yeah,
0: Larry like, Wall and, and Donald Nuth, right? You know, the art of computer yeah. programming. That, that right, that can't be a short book, right?
1: Well, it takes up a it takes up a whole shelf. Right? That's great. But there are other books that really should be, you know, the fact that this is 70 pages is because there are 75, whatever it is. it's There's 75 pages to say about it, and that's the 75 pages that are in the
0: book. And it, yep. it
1: really shows.
0: It's like building a Eight product.
1: Bucks. What it's, a deal.
0: It's like building a product, right? You, the, yeah. you, the, the parts you take away are the hardest and most important.
1: Well, Craig, you should be really proud of this book Anybody out there listening If you have any sort of job That entails putting pixels onto screens And you want them to look right I highly recommend this book I really do mean it I mean it from the bottom of my heart I don't know that I've ever even written a foreword to a book before Yeah, uh, But I did I... it not because you're my pal But because the book is good I don't. Frankly, I don't really like you that much
0: uh, Yeah well, I buy you drinks every once in a while So, you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> There's that <laughs> a book apart products making sense of color management. You know, don't just check, check out my book. The, the, the whole a book apart family. That's is true. Great. They're That's actually I mean, very. I true. mean, they, they, they've got a they've they've got that notion of shorter is better. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking about anything about re- responsive web design, for example, hint hint. You know, they've got yeah. an awesome book on it. You know, and it's-
1: it's, as somebody who is personally, uh, who does judge books by co- covers, I. I judge them by the contents too, but that whole thing—you can't judge a book by the cover. It's a bunch of bullshit, yeah. In my opinion, better books tend to look better. Their books are gorgeous, thanks to uh, our friend Jason Santa Maria yeah. and their yep. design. I know he's the the head designer there, but uh, boy, he's he's good with typography, and their books also are first class print books. I know your book is an ebook only, but the, the, they're they're a publisher that treats their ebooks every bit as lovingly in every regard as they do their their print books
0: it's 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 you know when jason showed me the the first comp for the book i was like that this is this is this is a real thing now and yeah it got me really excited just just by looking at that cover right it was just
1: was it, it hard was... here's my technical question was it hard oh the cover's gorgeous uh, uh, especially the bottom left corner where it says forward by john gruber i love that well anyway thank you very much for your time for being on the show. Thank you even more for writing this excellent book. Everybody should go get a copy. It is absolutely terrific. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors Harry's, get, get a shaving kit, Squarespace, build your own website, Backblaze, back up your computer and back up, back up your family members too. Get it for them. Thank you, Craig.